Hello everyone, welcome to Beyond the Adventure, a podcast exploring why people took on their own unique journeys and what they learned from their experiences. My name is Gareth Brown and thanks for listening. On today's podcast, I have Will Slack joining me. Will and I met almost 10 years ago when living in London and both playing football together. In our conversation, we cover Will's foray into white-collar boxing uh, and how he is approaching comedy. While very different activities, it was interesting to hear the shared learnings and what drives Will to take on quite daunting tasks. Will, we're live. Hello, good to see you. It's been a while. It's been too long, mate. Way, way too long. I would say, how long you think? Six years? Seven? I don't know. When was the last oh, time we, we spoke? The tooting back days, I think. When you were spraying yeah. passes out to me on the wing. Yeah, exactly. it out for a throw-in. <laughs> they were great days uh, at tooting back football club. Um, I do miss it a little bit. Uh, I don't really play football anymore. Do you? No. Uh, I Yeah, I've got slower. I've got slower, at least. <laughs> As a winger, I, that's really like, uh, like, what else have you got in your game once you've lost well, your place? I like to see myself as a David Beckham, to be honest. Oh, right, just more of a, just, just all technique and Get just a spray. Yeah, just cross right. it in. The problem is the level I play at now, no one can finish, so it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still playing 11 aside then? Or more, 7 or 5, or what are you doing? I do, so pre-pandemic, I did uh, 5, 7s, 8s, and the odd 11 aside game where people could convince me. Yeah, and then so three or four times a week, but then post pandemic, wow. I play once, maybe twice a week if I'm lucky. Oh, fair um, enough. I do, I do enjoy it. Um, I did play a couple of eleven sides in the past year, and I got absolutely kicked off the park. Yeah, so, uh, I, I think few black eyes. Yeah, I think I miss the. Um, I definitely miss. I think I miss two things. The the first is definitely like the kind of community aspect of it, and then the yeah. second thing is definitely probably the competitive aspect of it. Because like I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm doing these days, especially over the last few years, sports wise, has been like I guess a lot more learning stuff, which is also a good yeah. feeling because like trying new things in the mountains and stuff. But there's definitely like an element of just missing the the competition and just the community of uh, just being with like the same group of people, having a good time and, and chatting and stuff. So I do need to um, I do want to get back into it at some point somehow. But I might already. Yeah. Be, I'm way past my peak. That's the problem. I'm going to go back and not, <laughs> not have played for like two or three years, and, uh, I and don't know. it'll sure. just be so demotivating. I'll be like, what? What am I? What, what, nothing works here. What's going on? I've got a tip. Move to San Marino, and you'll be playing at <laughs> Wembley in a year. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. They that is that is crazy. I just I don't want to get smashed like thirteen nil though. That's still <laughs> that's still not um, a, a great feeling either. Yeah, like, oh, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't but, worth but, it. What what sports are you doing these days then? Uh, I what am I doing? So I do kind of a fair amount in the mountains, which is like just yeah. like hiking and trail running and uh cycling um and then when we go into the winter time it's a lot more like um normal skiing just kind of alpine skiing but not as much the last few years uh quite a bit of snowshoe walking and then my favorite thing in the last two years has been ski touring do you know ski touring okay no it's, what's that it's basically where you put like um uh you walk up the mountain on your skis which takes you like a day 
and then finally you then ski down. So yeah. rather than like using ski lifts and stuff, um, you basically are just you just go out into the middle of nowhere where there's no one else around. There's loads of good like apps and stuff now though, like so you know what's yeah. safe and what's not safe. But you have to do like a lot of avalanche training and and that type of thing oh, to wow. make to make sure that you're going to be like safe. And you should never really go by yourself. Uh, especially because like I never skied a day in my life until I got to Switzerland. So like, I'm still, really? I'm still like an intermediate skier. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not great at all. So it does scare me. Uh, when, especially who I'm going, depends on, depends on who I'm going with as well, because it's yeah. one, of, it's one of those that like, I don't know, like if you're doing maybe a, like a certain gym class mm-hmm. or you're doing, um, I don't know, just, just some other sport, like where they say, Oh, just push a bit harder then you're like, yeah, I'm going to push. Like, But here, if you push like, and you push a bit too far and then maybe you can't actually ski down this mountain anymore, then it's kind of game over. <laughs> like you're like, yeah. what do I do now? Like this is, um, so yeah, but I don't put myself in uh, in too many uh, vulnerable situations. But, um, and occasionally I, um, as well as going with some friends, I get some, um, we sometimes go with like a proper guide. So they really show okay. us, show, like, especially if we want to do something like, which is like multiple days. So you like go and then you stay in these little huts in the mountains and then wow. you go through the next, you kind of keep, you go on like a big tour over like a few days. That's like the craziest, most amazing feeling ever. Cause you're like, especially at night, you're, like, you're up in these mountains and you can't see anything or you can, but you can just see the stars and you're like just in the hut and it's just you and like a few other people. And it's, um. And you have some proper mountain food. You have like a goulash soup or something. And it's like, <laughs> and it's just amazing. Yeah. And then otherwise, yeah, apart from that, just do like other, uh, uh, do like little bits of swimming, even though I'm absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of, uh, do CrossFit now and again, but I keep on getting injured. So it's not really a, it's not really a sustainable sport for me, I don't think. And when you're looking at the stars in the Swiss mountain, do you ever think, yeah. I wish I was in the King's Head in Tutenbeck or? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, especially if, <laughs> I, uh, if, if, if like, sometimes it's so exhausting, like, <laughs> yeah, you, um, like sometimes you climb up to, I don't know, like I don't go crazy, crazy distances, but occasionally it's like two thirds of the way you're like, what am I doing here? It's like classic, like type two fun where in the moment, you're like this is i think it's really good but at the same time I'm like am i enjoying this like i have no idea yeah, yeah. it's uh like it's actually like really difficult and especially if the weather turns a bit mm-hmm. so like if if all of a sudden the visibility becomes really shit and it becomes a bit cloudy and it becomes really cold then it's pretty miserable and then i'm like why am i not in the pub for sure but the sense of achievement must be incredible right yeah it definitely can be yeah yeah it definitely feels um yeah it's amazing yeah i would i would re- definitely recommend it to uh anybody especially if they've already done some skiing and then you get some practice in you go with a guide like you're all good and you can and you can do tours that aren't like dangerous um it just depends on like how steep some of the mountains are and the routes so yeah have you ever skied before well this might make you feel a bit better i haven't <laughs> And and the reason was actually because I was doing the boxing training and I wasn't allowed to get injured. Uh. However, I did go up. I went up. I was in Switzerland with a few friends. I went up on the ski lift and they didn't tell me what time it closed. And I fell asleep after maybe too many beers. That's no way. Well, on the mountain, you just fell asleep. On the, like, just... <laughs> well, well, there was these lovely deck chairs. They were very inviting. So I fell asleep 
And then they woke me up and they were like, oh yeah, by the way, the ski lifts are closed. So you have to so skip the like, way down. So I literally, it was so funny. There's some videos I'll send them to you, but I, oh, gosh. I, yeah, I had to go down the black run again. And I you're just like absolute, absolute down. beginner. And you already had a few drinks. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. But no, I didn't have skis. What? So how did you get down? On foot. Oh my gosh. I, I, fell, I fell so many times. My tailbone was in bits. Oh my gosh. And I was in jeans and my friends oh. were just like my, my friend Vince was just like, this is classic Will. So at that point, I wish I had skied. And it yeah. took so long to get down. Oh, I mean, it's a long way down. Like, if you're doing like a, like a, 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 a like if it's a black run, it's very icy, yeah. and it's like and you're going from the top to like literally the bottom without a ski lift. I did. I Fair did play. Why they close so early? To be yeah, honest. they often do, and they and they're pretty strict with their shut off times. Like, there's a few places um, in Switzerland where it's like connected almost to two different countries. So you've got. There's a place called like Zermatt, and then when yeah, you're in Zermatt, oh, yeah, yeah you, you run you're on the Swiss side, and then you often ski also on the Italian side, and it's all yeah. it's basically one ski pass, so it's fine. But you get this like gondola across, and if you miss it, like, it's game over. You have to stay there the night for sure. Oh, because, well, or, stay in Zermatt, you mean? In in the other side, in the Italian ah, part, yeah, okay. called uh, Chavinia. So, but it's one resort, but. Uh, because if you don't stay in, you have to like you'd have to go down, find a hotel, and stay there instead. Because otherwise, it'll be like eight hours transport yeah. to get back round into Switzerland because of the way the mountains are structured. Oh, so yeah, uh, but they 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 don't mess about. Like if you miss that three forty five train, a three forty five gondola, I mean, yeah, game over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what other sports are you doing these days? Are you doing uh, anything else aside from football? Well. I've been I've been going to the gym a bit. I swim. I've been swimming a lot. Um, I'm not a good swimmer. Similarly, yeah, I find it incredible because even in the gym, you can have your phone now, or there's distractions. Yeah, we you know you're talking. Swimming is the only place for me, anyway. Where but skiing probably for you, but where it's just you and your mind. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate. I have a pool near me, and whenever I have a business problem, any problem. I will literally just go swim lengths until I. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually incredible. Yeah, I think swimming is. Uh, it's, it, every year for the last three years, I've been like, next year that's my target. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'm, um, I'm, yeah, I just really need to work my technique. Like it's crazy. Like I can literally, if I'm in a swimming pool, I can still go in for half an hour. But honestly, like I have to have yeah. a break. I have to have a break <laughs> after every length. It's crazy. Like what? What, uh, what stroke are we talking? Or do you yeah. mix it up? Yeah, mostly just like classic front stroke. I've also now got to a point where like my breaststroke is okay, but mm-hmm. um, but genuinely until like six months ago, and my girlfriend really showed me again like what I was doing. I I couldn't even do that really. It was it's crazy. Uh, the sea, speak well actually swimming generally, um, and especially the sea. It actually um, the conversation about that is how I've actually reached out to you. <laughs> quite random yeah it's quite random but uh it was about three weeks ago and someone was asking me oh are you doing this podcast now i was like yeah like but but for you like what would be like the an adventure that you wouldn't do like what would be the scariest thing and i said well there's two things uh the first thing is like basically anything swimming or in the sea Uh and then and then the second thing is uh i would never stand up and do like stand-up comedy (laughs) <laughs> and uh and, I, and then and then uh and then someone said well do you know anybody i was like oh, who do i know 
Uh, and then you popped up my profile of like doing a video of stand-up comedy. I was like, oh shit, I should reach out to Will. This will be, uh, this will be interesting. So yeah, that's, um, but swimming is definitely, uh, I need, but I do know what you mean. Like the whole um, mindfulness of just being there in the water and like literally no distractions is, uh, is a wonderful one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is, it is good. And I go there a lot of time to clear my head and you, I, I can't explain how many jokes I think of when I'm swimming. Like, is that where, is that where you, yeah. is that where you think? Do you have to like sometimes jump out of the pool and just like take some notes? Like oh, how do you, <laughs> when I forget a joke, it is infuriating. A lot, a lot of the, the, the material I do, I get inspiration normally when I'm meeting people or I'm out or I've met a yeah. character or whatever. And it's, I can't just be like, oh, sorry, can I just take out my phone? Because I've got a really funny thing that you've reminded me of. So I have to try and store it in my memory yeah. until I can excuse myself. Um, but yeah, in the, in the pool is where I get so much inspiration. And it is it can be quite painful because I'm trying to resolve a business problem or whatever it is while I'm swimming. And uh, this joke just comes in my head. And I'm like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to think how I word that <laughs> as opposed yeah. to doing it. That's, good. that's quite the, that's quite the contrast of two thoughts there. That's quite a nice balance. I've uh, yeah. yeah, that is uh, that is interesting. How how do you uh, start to th- so so for everyone listening, you, maybe you, you can just share a little bit around uh, how you've just started. I mean, how long have you been doing this comedy thing now for like a year, maybe maybe longer? Well, I don't, I don't so, know. Yeah, it's uh, there is it's a good story. So I'll I'll park the boxing for a moment, but let's yeah, just let's talk about comedy. Yeah. I, I lost I lost my boxing fight, which um, caused many issues amongst my friends who paid to come and watch me. There was 1,400 people in the crowd. So not just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was a big event and I lost that. I didn't get knocked out, which I was semi-proud of, but I was furious that I lost. And uh, my mates were like, what a waste of money. <laughs> what are you doing? So they were like, you have to make it up to us. And I was like, oh my God, guys, I've just done a 10 week boot camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were like, okay, you can do a ballroom dancing competition. And I was like, I, I can't do that. I, I, I would do a lot of challenges that I, w- I would struggle. I've got two left feet. So what happened was one friend was like, oh, I've signed you up to do a massive comedy show. And I was like, okay, friends I was- just signed, one of your friends just signed you up. Yeah, well, they sent oh it my to gosh. me, and they were like, "You have to do it." They they couldn't they couldn't officially. Do they do they have something on you here? Like they're making you go do, yeah, do the course. boxing. They go along, and now they're signing you up for comedy. This is uh, out, right, outrageous. So. <laughs> there is, and and this is one of my learning points from when I was younger. I was way I I like to call it confidence, but I'll hold my hands up. I was way too cocky. I was really cocky. And I was like, I'm going to be so good at boxing. I'm going to win this fight. It's going to be easy. And I didn't, so it was kind of a punishment. Yeah. Uh, well, let's well, let's what? let's let's go back there again. So uh, we're gonna do, do the comedy bit in a bit, but the okay. box, the boxing. Mm. Um. So where did that originate from? Because when I knew you, you never did any boxing or nothing like that. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and, you were, and you were a winger, and you could, uh, <laughs> yeah, you you weren't. Uh, yeah, I I could I couldn't imagine you as a boxer to be honest. Uh, you were too yeah. too, ni- too I, nice I, basically. I yeah. Um, so yeah, how did how did that come about? Where's you, where where were you at in terms of your headspace and like was it just a, a bet? Was it just like do you know what? I just want a new challenge. Uh, like where where did that originate from? So that's a good question. So not not to incriminate myself too much, but I went to an all boys school, and when we were there, we used to do underground 
boxing fights that definitely oh my gosh. should have been it's happening. Like a, it's like an all boys fight club. This is uh... it, it was, yeah, maybe we weren't we weren't so violent. Yeah, we were an all boys grammar school, so uh, maybe not. But but basically, what happened was we'd have these sort of matchups and fights. We were all friends, but we we used gloves, but we didn't use headgear. This was many moons ago. And then after that, I, I never boxed again. And what happened um, actually was my friend, a very good friend of mine, Josh, he's really big in the boxing world. And he started taking me to boxing fights, loads of Anthony Joshua fights. I met the cool people, Ricky Hatton and things like that. Wow. By him, which was amazing. And he did a white collar boxing fight. And he, he was incredible. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, the sense of achievement and challenge. Now, yeah. there's a big difference. He can really box. Uh, and I can't. So he had the background, in, in addition to just kind of consuming it and watching it, he also participated himself. And yeah, he, yeah, as I learned quickly when me and him sparred, and he absolutely <laughs> bust me up big time. <laughs> so, so he did the boxing fight, but he drew his fight. And it was his first ever big fight I would say but what we didn't realize was the guy he fought was absolutely incredible and he was quite well known in the amateur boxing scene so the fact he got a draw was amazing but I was like oh you only got a draw like it looked so easy so he was like go on then and I was like oh okay yeah fair play (laughs) so I signed up and I'm not joking at the original meeting there was a good I reckon 70 to 80 people and if you imagine the white collar boxing and Thai boxing scene, they were all huge. Like it was a lot of alpha males that had a point to prove or they were really cocky and things like yeah. that. I wanna, I wanna what's, the, what's the demographic here look like? Is it just like, cause this is, this is London white collar boxing, yeah. right? So yeah. just a lot of people, what, like in, in, in kind of finance sectors and things, like what's the yeah, kind of make, exactly. makeup of, uh, yeah. yeah, just these alphas basically. But big, big, massive alphas, uh, people to prove a point. Yeah. Um, the split, I would say there was maybe 30% female actually. So yeah. maybe 70% male, 30% female. And our first training session, I will never forget, we were in Farringdon in gym box and we had to punch each other in the face. Like, no guard. Just get used to being hit. Is and that what they coached you? This is mental. Yeah, yeah because oh they gosh. were like, what, once they collected everyone's payments for it, yeah. uh, they were like, um, you know, if you can't be hit or hit someone, and I found it harder, to, like you say too now, I found it harder to punch someone than actually receive the, the hit, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. After yeah. that session, I reckon about maybe 20% gone next week. Like they were really, wow. Did you, I thought you didn't have to pay everything up front. Like was it, was the intro class almost like you pay for the first first bit or did you, or or did they almost get people to commit for the, yeah, yeah. You get, they get people to commit, but before you commit, they outlined everything and they basically told us the success rate and it was really low. And that was one of the reasons where I was so determined to do it because I had to get to the end and I didn't yeah. have to get to the end because of the money or whatever. It was, it was to prove a point and go, if I can get to the end of this, I can probably do nearly anything, which sounds very cheesy, but like an eight week boot camp. We had a um, psychologist for our mental health. Wow. We had um, the Olympic, actually the Olympic nutritionist was our nutritionist for food. We did three, classes a week of technique we did one strength and conditioning and you had to spar every single saturday so you would you would do you do strength and conditioning training boxing technique and then you'd have to spar 
and that yeah. was every Saturday. You're that's a really to... that's a really good way of doing it though, because um, yeah. when I've done training before, um, and I'm not a box strictly, but I've done the my Muay Thai training and stuff, and yeah, every, every time, every time, well, every time we do we do sparring you always have to do like between a five and a 10 K run before you start oh and you have word. to, and you have to do five, 10 K run and then immediately you have to go into to sparring. Yeah. And that's just to take, like remove the, like let the testosterone calm down a bit here. Like let's yeah. not um, go in here trying to take people's heads off. Like the whole Muay Thai sparring though is very different in that um, because uh, most Thai fighters have like three, 400 fights. Uh, mm. the, wow. the, the sparring itself is a lot more kind of touch and go and it's a lot more like technique based and it was actually the people that were mostly coming from like the uk or a couple of people from other european countries that would be coming in there like trying to just make it a real fight inspiring pretty quickly exactly. like i can yeah. imagine that being uh, i mean i've never boxed honestly like in the uk so i wouldn't have a clue but my feeling is um there'd be a lot of people inspiring that are already just trying to like that 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 they're, they're putting techniques aside and they just want to win this spa is that what it was like or not? Yes, uh, absolutely. So, so <laughs> oh, we, gosh. Were, yeah. we were given percentages. And bearing in mind, we were all pretty much amateur. Yeah. Um, telling us to go at 65% didn't really mean anything to Yeah, us. people were still just and, going for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was funny, every single session, and like I say, there was three a week, someone had dropped out or two or three. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, this, I've got this injury. I've got that injury, whatever it might be. And the... I remember one training session and it was three weeks before the fight. And to say it would not be your confidence is an understatement. There was a guy who was on a similar level as me called Jack Baker. Absolute legend, by the way. Shout out to him. <laughs> but we um, we had a sparring session. And over the weeks, he just got like, he improved so much. Like mm. he was incredible. And we had to spar each other and he KO'd me. Like he, 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 like, he knocked me out. Oh my out. gosh. Did you have headgear on or not? We had headgear and he... Wow. He, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, headgear just, like, cushions it, right? But, yeah, wow. He got me with an uppercut. And um, I'm not embarrassed to say he he knocked me cold, right? And everyone was like, oh, I got up. I was fine. And then we went for round three. Now, probably not the safest. And yeah. uh, I won't say with my coaches. But, like, everyone after was like, oh, we just thought that would be done now. And I was like, absolutely not. And I remember I had a massive black eye one day and i had to explain to everyone at work for sure clients i haven't been fighting on the saturday i'm doing a big charity fight uh, <laughs> for for uh for nspcc um and basically i remember running it was it was minus three degrees and i ran to hyde park and i'd never really had a challenge in my life where i had to push myself this hard and i just it, it was kind of a bit like a switch where i was like i'll just do like one more run i'll just do one more training session and it'll be fine but there was an added complication, which I haven't mentioned yet. And actually, I don't think anyone knows about this. But I'm, you'll remember this. I broke my hand playing for Tooting Beck. Yeah, yeah. On my debut, I set up Ben Sanderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's kill me. He ran over celebrating. And he accidentally, obviously, it was an accident. He kneed my hand. And I got a boxer fracture, which snapped um, one of my fingers in two. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. and then and then I had to make a comeback later in the season because um, I was in a cast. But basically, in my family, we have a uh, hereditary disease called Jupiton's contracture, and you might know what it is, but a lot of people don't. 
And it's where you get cords in your hands. Um, and for everyone on the podcast listening, you won't be able to see my hands, but you get cords that pull your fingers down. But you only get it when you're 70, 60, 70 years old. My grandma has it. My dad's just getting it. Mm. And um, what happened because of the break is it brought on Jupiton's only in one finger. So I've had multiple surgeries on it now. Wow. So, so I was doing this boxing and in one of the boxing sessions, I, I, I fractured my hand again. In the, same, I, in the same place or? The same, or the same finger, yeah, oh, because gosh. it was weakened. Yeah. And, and so I've got pictures again. And before my fight, my finger was genuinely like nearly bent over. It was, it was almost in the fist. Oh and my you, gosh. Get, you have health checks before um, yeah. the fight is, is huge. So I just had to rip my finger back in order to oh. get it in the glove. And I remember, um, and again, I hope it's not too incriminating, but I, I put my glove on before I went to, to my health check uh, uh, so they couldn't actually check it. So it, doing a presser was agonizing. I just had to ice everything. And I just remember, like, after I did the fight, although I lost, I was like, I can't believe I've actually yeah. done that. And then swiftly I had to go and get my operation and, and it's all it's all fine now, but I'm not allowed to box anymore. For sure, they yeah. They made it very clear. Uh, not, two breaks and a, and a disease is not ideal. Yeah, it's not it's not sensible. I guess during that fight, you the adrenaline would have probably got you through with the, with the hand. That was it. Yeah, and then afterwards yeah. you're just, uh, yeah, then the pain will start to come, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. And did you get like out of... So you, it was an eight-week boot camp. How many people yeah. out of the 80 people that kind of started eventually fought? Oh, I reckon on the night there was, I'm trying to think, maybe I'd have to check the score, uh, the the lineup, but I think there was 12 fights, so 24. Okay. And do you think, um, and do you think like, I mean, asking this in, in two two ways, like d- did you kind of get out of it what you hoped? And, and do you think that a lot of the other people got out of it what they hoped and in addition to that I guess what did you get that you didn't think you would get and yeah. vice versa you know yeah so I got I got more a lot more than what I thought I'd get oh, really yeah that's, yeah well that's great that's wonderful yeah the, the physical benefits my diet also I had to go cold turkey for eight weeks in terms of yeah. alcohol which uh, it sounds really bad, but in London, that's that's a hard, that's no easy feat. For I'm going to sure. be completely honest because I know there's people listening to this, my friends. I got about, I think I got five weeks where I was just straight like, no, it was once you got past the first week, it was fine. Yeah. And then I went for a dinner with a good friend of mine. And at, at the dinner, they were like, oh, glass of champagne. Oh, how bad can it be? So I had one and that night I had far too much. But then I got, I reverted back to how I was. Um, as well so it taught me a lot it taught me a lot about discipline it taught me a lot about training with people when you're in the ring it's just you but but going through the boot camp with these complete strangers I didn't have loads of people did it with friends yeah I didn't have any friends like there and doing doing that training with them was like the amount it pushed me was insane I hate running I hate going on the treadmill I hate I hate doing strength and conditioning and it just taught me that if you do it, these are the results. The learning points I got from it, first of all, the guy that I fought, I sparred him two weeks before. And um, this is probably my cockiness coming out, but I absolutely battered him in sparring. And I got too cocky. So for the last three weeks, I, I was told I was fighting him. Last last three weeks, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. It's this guy. Yeah. In the fight, 
I, I can remember it so clearly. Everyone was warming up before. Everyone was training. Everyone was on the pads. I did five minutes on the pads. I was hanging out with my mates before the fight, obviously not drinking or anything, but I was just chilling, chatting with them. And then all of a sudden the bell goes and I'm in the ring. There's one and a half thousand people, the lights that the trucks are on yeah. and I get banged in the face. Like and absolutely <laughs> just wax me. And I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is complacency. And this is why I get why people talk about it. So, so the complacent thing was annoying. I offered him a rematch in the changing rooms after, and he said, no, now and my surgeons would not, not allow that. I imagine, but he was, he was nice. It taught me a lot about sportsmanship because when they announced the results, I've got a video. I was like gutted inside, you know, I had 60 of my friends there. And I just went over to him. I shook his hand. I was like, you deserved it. You know, all of that side of it. That I'd learned that over the weeks because before that, I probably would have just stormed off and uh, Yeah, like you lost said it. Yeah, yeah. No, but that, I mean, it's a really interesting dynamic that, um, yeah, effectively you already get to spar the person you're going to fight. That's, yeah. Like that's... Um, you spar that, That's really going to... Yeah, like it's an interesting hit on your kind of psyche and, and, and how you prepare mentally because yeah, like if you get the better, maybe you're arguably at a disadvantage now, like you were. Well, so it's so just because now like he's this person's got extra motivation. Exactly. They're like, they're like exactly. hey, like I know I need to push like even harder these next two, three weeks. Cause uh I know I didn't come out too well in that in that sparring. I also like I'm gonna I'm gonna think about exactly how this guy fought. I'm gonna think about his technique. I'm gonna think about if I was to do this again next time, like what would be the place that where would I hit yeah, him? How yeah. would I approach it? Yeah, it's uh I, I think I think that's like I think that's a good thing though generally for like the safety of it all in terms of um if you do especially for something like where you go from zero to a hundred in eight weeks, it's probably a good thing that uh there's not gonna be a massive rematch and uh, not a massive risk of a of a complete mismatch. Um, at well, least like that. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a benefit. This, this, this is the other nuance to it. As you know, I'm quite sure. But for those listening, I'm five yeah. foot seven, and I'm not particularly built. I'm probably more built than I was back then. And um, I was the short. Uh, he he was the next smallest guy. He was 11 kgs higher than me at the weigh-in. Oh my gosh! In professional boxing, if you did that, that's crazy. Much, yeah. yeah. So 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 that gives you an idea of the demographic. And um, they tried to make it as even as possible. And and hands up, the the one I did it through was White Collar Fight Club. It is so safe, it's insane. To the point where people get annoyed at the protocols, but like, it was incredible. We had doctors there, we had ambulances ready, we had professional refs, like it was, it was, it was really good on the safety piece. I remember in sparring, it was probably a bit less safe, but I had to fight heavyweights. Now I, at the time, I remember for the fight, I weighed in at 68 kilos, right? And I was fighting these people, maybe 14 stone. And oh my what, gosh. I had speed on my side. So they would try these haymakers, even in sparring. I could dodge them, but I'll never forget. I just kept jabbing this this huge guy. He couldn't land one. And he cracked me in the ribs so hard. I don't think I breathed for about two weeks. Yeah, I mean, um, all it takes is like just one big hit from yeah, uh, someone like that. It. That's a tough yeah. one to, to to handle, for sure. Because I, I, I was getting, you know, jabs on him, maybe a few good hits. He wasn't even feeling it. It's like punching sand. Like, he was like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then he cracked me one. So, yeah, the mismatch. There wasn't mismatch in the fights. They, they Because they'd known us for eight weeks... They, they can see it. 
he, my opponent, uh, he had real revenge in his eyes. I could see it. He was so much better. I lost, I didn't lose my head. I lost my technique. So everything I'd learned over the eight weeks, when that bell rang, it was like, I'm just going to, you know, go in swinging, didn't have a good stance. I got a few good combos in the second round, but apart from that, he had the better of me all the way through because I reckon after we had our sparring, he just went, right, I've got this goal. This is what I'm going to do. I'm fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, would you, I mean, obviously now it's a few years on now. How, how many years ago was that? Three years? Four years? That was I don't know. that was 2018. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, if you had to put the hand to the side for a minute, would uh-huh. you if you uh, would you do something like that again or would you maybe think about a different yeah. sport or a different approach or a different, um, yeah, how would you I'd, replicate I'd, that if it was like, hey, like there's this boxing thing going on, what would you, uh, what would you say, that, say to that today? I'd a hundred percent do it again. It's highly addictive. Yeah. It's very, very but would you would you want to do it in such a like an eight week crash course type thing, or would you rather just like just be training regularly and then occasionally like take a fight? Because there's there's yeah, is it because it, it obviously it impacts lifestyle and stuff as well. Like in terms of how disciplined you want to be, like twelve months of the year yeah. versus, versus hey, like I can take three months a year and just. Um, and just have a really, really disciplined refresh, restart, and yeah, uh, and then afterwards I can kind of take it easy again. But I've kind of gone through that that phase, that 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 couple of month experience, and and a real shock of the body. Yeah. So what would you? How would you yeah, feel about? That's a good question. Like with so with football, which is my favorite sport, my biggest passion. Like I could play that all year round. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you know, you do two games or you're at five aside and someone would ask can you join with boxing i would struggle i could not i would have to be paid a lot of money to maintain that (laughs) for 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 all year round because you know not saying i didn't have a life but like the diet the training the missing out on things and it was it was it was tough but the reason they did the course like that was to make you feel like a professional athlete it was it was nearly at that level of of what it would be like to be a pro, but also you had work on top. But then what they did as sort of a reward for making it, the night you felt like a celebrity. So you had your own walkout, you had your own walkout music, you had your own, you know, customized gear, you had the lights, everyone at the Troxy was looking at you. Yeah. Professionally filmed, like real photographers. So it it, it was a peek into their life how professional athletes do it is just beyond me even football i would struggle to to maintain that level and that's why so many people don't make it because you know as soon as they hit a certain age they're like oh actually there's more things i want to do which isn't necessarily the right thing but i understand why people do that Um, yeah for sure i mean the whole kind of nature versus nurture debate like i I mean they talk about this a lot in uh, outliers by um is it is it malcolm gladwell um and more often than not like after a certain age it's really just about the hours that you put in like that's fundamentally it like they yeah, did a, yeah, they did yeah. an experiment in um this different music but like in a berlin uh, music academy mm-hmm. and um they effectively put these uh, groups of people into three into three three sets basically once they're at a certain level and then you had the, the the first set which was just um 
these are the people that are going to make it as professionals. They're going to be like um, soloists doing in violin. They're going to be able to perform, etc. Like they're really going to make a, an outstanding career for themselves. Kind of a second group, which is they're going to be professional. They're going to be part of orchestras. They're going to have the opportunity to travel. And then kind of the third third group, they were saying that they're still like, obviously everyone's already at a minimum standard. So you have to be really good to get in in the first place. You have to have a minimum yeah. standard. It's a bit like when you're like kind of playing football and you get to 15, 16 and mm-hmm. you're at a certain standard and you can... Um, and then the third group is a bit more, they're still good, but they're going to probably maybe go down different routes in the kind of music area. Maybe they become teachers and stuff. And then when they actually just look and they did the study and they looked at how many hours they'd all done, there was literally almost no outlier. Like mm-hmm. from the three groups, it was split specifically just on how many hours they'd all put in. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's similar. And like, and yeah, the whole, definitely the talent exists, but often in things like sport i do find that it is about the hours that you put in just like just like anything really yeah but anyway that's a bit off topic but uh but yeah that's cool though i really um i i I, um i kind of went through something uh it's like a different experience i did the kind of fight camp training camp style of things but i never had a fight i just um but i did like the feeling of that discipline as well if like going through a couple of months of just training and you feel amazing like all 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 your kind of uh, brain chemicals are kicking off like you've got this community aspect and you're really just um like you feel amazing being like putting out so much energy and um and yeah it's kind of cool that you had that kind of experience at the end where it is such a show which is uh which is really unique you should do a fight you should try it i'm not sure well uh we'll see one day maybe (laughs) one day uh maybe when i get like maybe like 10 years or something and then there's like an over 40s one (laughs) where like the potential the potential damage is like uh is way is way less (laughs) but yeah um so 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 at the point now where after this coming off a loss, I hope for at least an hour, your mates at least put their arm around you and say, good effort, mate. I hope they didn't well, squint straight away and be like, oh, you lost. You now you need to do comedy. <laughs> like, was, what was yeah. the pivot? How long was this pivot? Did he, how did you get any time as a celebration or was it like just onto it's, the next uh, thing? So they, you know, my family loves a bit of tough love and my sister was in tears. She thought it was so funny. Oh gosh. She, she thought it was hilarious. She was like, "You've brought sixty of your friends. You've trained for eight weeks, and then you Did, were you telling were you, were you telling everyone you were going to win? Also, that's also yeah, a yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, like, Nightmare. Like, um, Nightmare. One, I, so I, I, again, I've, I I learned a hefty lesson on complacency, being too cocky. I did learn good sportsmanship, and I hope I learned over the yeah. weeks. But but at the Euros last year, everything I learned went out the window, and there is a reason I'm saying that." Before England played Italy in the final, about 50% of my friends are Italian. Yeah. The amount I told them we were going to win oh, gosh. was, I, I had to turn my phone off for two days. Anyway, long story short, I do think that, and, and I always wonder why boxers do this. They all say they're going to knock them out in round one, blah, blah, blah. But when I did the boxing, I kind of realized if you don't have that mentality and you don't believe it, you've got no chance. You're not even going to make it into the ring, let alone yeah. have a fight, right? So it was kind of a, a, a coping mechanism where I was telling all of my friends, like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, it's going to be easy. And I was doing that. And um, it plays into that whole thing you see boxers do it. And I'd never understood it until I did boxing. If I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to win, Oh my god! Like you're, you're, yeah, you have to believe, right? You have to have that confidence for yeah. sure. Yeah. But then, but then there's a real fine line between 
telling everyone you're going to win and and just believing it and working on it and and not and having some humility right because that that was the big difference that I learned and noticed um and have kept up I hope over the years until the Euros last year and I apologize to my Italian friends but they got revenge to say the least like it was it was disgraceful after they won um so yeah it's um yeah that my sister was giving giving me a lot of abuse and laughing. All of my friends were so nice. And I'd missed my birthday because of training. I, yeah, I for sure. In the Put everything I back. Missed, yeah, I'd missed my, missed my birthday. And when you talk about community, there was, I, I can remember it so vividly, even though it's four years ago. Like when I turned up at the bar after, I've never felt like so much love from a group of people. My friends have fly- a couple have come from Switzerland. Wow. People have come from all over Europe to watch this. And having like 60 of my friends together, people from uni, people from all walks of life were there. That sense of, wow, you've just done a, a really good achievement. And them being there, I don't think there's anything really that could replace it. And I did an amateur boxing match. So when you've got the Olympians, right, they've won a gold, silver, bronze, or even partaken imagine that with your family after like I can't I can't your your heart must explode right so that was incredible and that was amazing and then a week later they were like right you lost what's next (laughs) (laughs) and so as they um as they pivot towards comedy where did that uh idea originate someone said ballroom dancing at one point and then the next person said kind of comedy (laughs) what was the there was, okay. an advert, there was an advert on social media, which was like, oh, um, you know, stand-up comedians want a show or something. I can't really remember the origins of it. And I turned up, and I don't know if you've ever been here, um, there is a bar called Bar Rumba near Leicester Square. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting place, I say that. But before, you, before we get there, though, so yeah. this form was signed up, and then... And then what happens? Like, do you? Because so Bar Rumba is literally you're going to perform in there, right? Is that where you're going to perform? Well, no. no. Fortunately, that wasn't the end. Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. So what happens is they, um, you turn up there. You get an email. Turn up there, and it was the exact same thing as the boxing. There were so many people you could hardly get in the room, right? Oh like my gosh! Tons and tons of people, and um, and then, you know, they say, okay. We're going to do this comedy course. And the, and and I rate this so much. On there, we thought we were getting an induction. He just went, you, tell a, get up on stage and tell a joke. And they were like, oh, oh. I don't want to. And he was like, well, don't be here then. Like, what are you do- like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do a stand-up comedy course? Because what happens is you get signed up for a massive show and you have a comedy coach. He doesn't write any material for you. He's purely there for techniques. So all your yeah. content, you know, is your own. And he was like, you, get on stage, tell a joke. Oh, that would, honestly, like, this sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. But, and then and then everyone had to do it. Loads of people were like, I'm not. And he was like, you can leave. So they left, <sighs> right? And uh, what was my joke? It was something really stupid. Like, oh, I was waiting outside Bar Rumba and a lady come up to me and said, lighter? And I said, oh, yeah, I've been in the gym. Thank you. So oh bad. my god <laughs> yeah, that's a worse joke but the point was you just if do someone, it right? it's one of those things like if someone honestly came up to me and just said like tell a joke i would just panic like I'd, i wouldn't be able to think of a joke off the top of my head like i would just 
panic. It sounds, it sounds awful. never been so high. That, that first said, person going up, oh my gosh. That yeah, is, it wasn't me, fortunately. Yeah, that is rough. But we weren't even prepared for that. It was an induction meeting. So so then that happens, and uh, that joke, by the way, my ex-housemate Anton told me that. So before he says, I stole <laughs> it, uh, it's the only thing that came to my mind, because I lived with him at the time. So, so you do this course, right? And every week, you, you only get one week. And what happens is the first thing, you get given the joke, everyone tells the same joke, and it's all about your delivery and how you do it. Yeah, yeah, it's that's good. It's very laborious. It was two hours of listening to everyone say the, the, the yeah. same joke, you know. And, and there's a lot of things, you know, you have to learn in comedy, but consistency and just trying it is the biggest one. And there's so many learning points from that. That's really cool, though, that they, there is like, uh, like a course like that. So you're so how yeah. many of how many of you are there? And like, how long is this going on for until like, while, as you're like doing this training effectively? I think for some reason, I think it was six weeks. It might have been eight. Weeks. Yeah. And it was by a company called Ultra Events. And they've raised, they've raised over 10 million for cancer research alone. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, yeah. incredible company. Yeah. Well. I've given them a shout out. So, so um, the aim is in six weeks, you're doing a big show at the Backyard Comedy Club. Now, if you're not into comedy, you probably don't know too much about it. But to put it into context, the, we'd performed on the Sunday. I think on the Saturday night, Dave Chappelle performed there. Like no, really? Yeah. Oh my god! And gosh. on the Friday, Jack Whitehall performed there. Well, what's amazing about these comedy clubs, especially the ones in London, is like you can uh, you can just like rock up and um, and a big star like that will actually turn up sometimes unannounced yeah. just because they need to get their hours in as well, right? They just need to practice. Yeah. Like well, they need to they need to be doing. Hey, I've got like a special coming up in two months' time. Therefore. Yeah. I need to be practicing the delivery of this stuff. And they're probably already amazingly good and everyone would laugh anyway. Yeah. But um, but they also are just getting that practice in, right? Is uh, So Kevin Hart, uh, <laughs> not to name drop, I wasn't speaking to him personally, but uh, I was at a random open mic night in East London a few months ago and Kevin Hart turned up. Like, wow. He, he was just like, hey, is it all right if I do some material? And everyone was like, what? <laughs> I was just there on the second row and he did an hour and a half. He did his world tour for us and he was asking people in the crowd for feedback. He was like, really? Hey, wow. Yeah. He was like, hey, I know I don't know you, but what did you think of that joke? And people were like, oh, maybe try this and that. Or and, and he, so he, was he doing that throughout or was he? did he kind of wait to the end of he, it and then get feedback? How does that work? Wow. Do you know, my favourite thing about this, so Kevin said, we always have to get in the gym. And he wasn't you know, blowing his own trumpet, but this guy's worth hundreds of millions. Yeah. Probably not worth a billionaire these days. And he was like, I love getting in the gym. He'd been in Ireland. He went to a random little backyard, like uh, backstreet comedy club. And he was like, I appreciate, you know, I need to learn from you if this joke would work in the UK. And I was like, I cannot believe his mentality. Right. Like yeah. it, was, it was incredible. And he was like, I've got to, I've got to stay in the gym. If I don't stay in the gym, uh, I'm going to lose everything was basically his mantra. It was, it was incredible to see. And um, it, yeah, it's just, just amazing that, that they do that. And, and like I say, so, so Dave Chappelle, actually a few weeks ago, he performed again at, at Backyard Comedy Club, but I'd performed on the same stage that Kevin Hart wow. had, uh, was performing on. And this leads me on to another point with comedy. And uh, I've skipped a couple of chapters, but I did a show called The Blackout. And it's at Up the Creek. That's where Kevin was. 
and um, it's, it's the gladiator of the comedy world. There's about 200, 250 random people in front of you and they have the ability to vote you off. Now, bearing in mind all your content is your own. It's very personal. You have to be thick-skinned to do comedy because if people don't laugh at jokes, you take yeah, it very personally. Rough. You, you've come up with it, right? So <laughs> there was 18 comedians and I did so bad. And again, a few of my friends were there. I got gonged off like, you get a two minute free period. I probably made it to two and a half, three minutes, if that. And and I knew the reasons why I did that. My set was awful. I was really nervous and I hadn't practiced enough. Again, complacency came into it a lot because I'd done so many cool shows. Like I'd had show after show that were amazing. And I was like, I don't even need to practice. Because of COVID, I hadn't done a show for four months. So it was my first show after four months. And I was like, this will be easy. And I found myself on stage looking out going, oh my word, like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Oh my gosh. Um, and and again, my friends were like, oh, that was pretty rough. Uh, just to put this out there, only six of the comedians out of 18 even survived. So I wasn't the only one. <laughs> I can imagine the crowd being ruthless because it's almost funny, oh, no, for them. It's, it's funny for them as well, right? If they vote people out, they don't want to just yeah, put, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not just there just to uh, let everybody they be a winner. You, they boo you, like it, that, oh. that's the point, right? And one of the comedians, and again, I'm not going to say names, but they're, they're technically a professional comedian and they got gonged off. And they were wow. in the green room. They were, they were not happy to say the least. So, so after that, I was kind of like, oh, I'm at this crossroads. Like, do I continue doing comedy or don't? I thought about that for about three minutes. And I was like, obviously, I'm going to keep. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a bad game in football and never play again. Yeah. So that was on the Thursday. On the Tuesday, I did another show. And it went so well and it was recorded and it, it was it was amazing. A great crowd. And my friends are like, we don't understand like what goes through your brain. You basically just bombed and, and that was an embarrassment. They didn't say it in that way. Yeah. But if my sister was there, she would have. And and um it's just I've just got this weird thing in my head, which I think comes from the boxing, where now I'm just not I'm not so bothered when things go wrong, as long as, you know, the saying goes, you get back on the horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same with any challenge, you know, you hit a roadblock. I got KO'd sparring, got absolutely battered by Jack. You know, I had black eyes. I had a broken hand and I did that. So I can easily just go and do another show. I'm You're so exposed by these things though, especially yeah. boxing and, and and comedy even more so. In, in yeah, comedy, like, comedy is pretty brutal. You're so exposed. <laughs> it's a crazy way to like um like that feeling let's just say it's the monday and you make the final call before you go on mm-hmm. the tuesday what are you thinking about like there's there's so, one there's one element of hey like i know that was bad but come on you're better than this let's get back up we're gonna go again but um what else is going through your mind to really get that drive going get that motivation make sure that you're going to yeah. come come out with the right presence with the right uh charisma like how are you getting prepped for that um you were saying it earlier about how sometimes you're doing a challenge or you're going out doing an activity and you're a bit like before i'm not sure about this and then when you're doing it you're like oh it feels good and bad that sums up comedy perfectly now i've done quite a few shows now and my friends are mind blown how I am before. I'm normally pretty carefree. I get so nervous. It's unbelievable. I hate it. Like in the lead up and some shows you don't know when you're on, they just call your name. When you know when you're on, it's a bit easier. I'm so nervous 
I, went, I did the show last week and my girlfriend was like, I've never seen you like this before. What's wrong with you? Yeah. When I'm up there, you just flip. It's like a wow. state of flow, literally a state of flow. I don't normally remember what happens. And I'm fortunate enough that all of my shows get recorded and that ties into the feedback bit. But what gets me motivated is I know when I'm up there, I'm going to have the time of my life and I need to be so well prepped, which is what I didn't do in the blackout. And it's what yeah. I didn't do at boxing. I normally practice my set 20 to 30 times in the day before I go on stage. Yeah, I mean, you've got wow, that's a lot. And how do you do that? Are you just literally doing it in front of a mirror? Like, what's the... I, what's I the... walk around my house. I, I go swimming. I, I, I say it. I, 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 I keep a tally. I'm, I know some of my... I do different shows and different materials, but my, my main show, which is about my family and my grandma, um, I know it pretty well. So I'll do it 10 times, but there'll never be a time now where... If I do it less than 10 times, I'll be worried on stage. Mm. And the thing with comedy is the words have to go in a certain order. You have to do the setup, the middle bit and the punchline. I've done shows before where I wasn't so well versed. And I'd say the punchline and then keep talking after, which is when you're meant to do the laughs. That is very mm. scientific of the comedy. But like you need to be so well prepared. So, so getting myself in the zone, I know that after the feeling when someone comes up to you at the bar and says, oh my God, I loved your set. Oh my God, I love yeah. your show. Or that joke. When people say, I love that specific joke. Or I had two two people come up to me and say, that's exactly what my grandma does. I loved it. Like it, that feeling rivals the feeling when I was partying with my friends after the boxing. Yeah, I like, can imagine. It, yeah. it, it gives you that sense of how it is to be a famous comedian. Now I've never, yeah. I don't have plans to be a famous comedian. I just do it for a hobby. Yeah. But being prepared is number one. And number two is thinking, how am I going to feel when I do it or after? I hate running. Like I can't even put into words. I hate going to the gym. I try to go to the gym three or four times a week, but the feeling after I've done it is so much greater than just, you know, playing FIFA or something. Yeah. Like, it makes me do it. I think, I think with the comedy side though, um, it's dual feeling almost. It's like you feel good that you've got through it and you've um, delivered on what you've trained. Um, but if you've actually just made someone else happy, like that is well, um, that's just fundamentally that, like a massive big win, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the game changing experience that you that everybody's looking for in life. I think just to try and make those around them smile and um, it's, it's, and be happy. Yeah, that that's that's a really good point. Actually, at the weekend, um, it was one of my my friend's birthdays. And we were away and she was doing the talent show and she said, Will, can you can you do comedy? And I do get friends ask me. I've had, uh, you know, a few companies that are like, oh, can you do comedy? You know, And um, I said, oh, I really don't want to. And she was like, why? And I was like, I want to relax. It's your birthday. And I know how I yeah, get yeah. it. You know? And they're all strangers. I don't know any of her friends. So it's basically me doing a gig. And also there's no microphone, no stage. So I just had this fear in the back of my head. And then I was like, oh, this is so dumb. Like I've done the backyards and I've done, I've done, the, I, I did the blackout, albeit not particularly well. And so I said, yeah, fine, I'll do it. And I did this show and it was amazing, but I forgot how it is to perform to a room that has no comedians in. They were, they were vying for me. They were, they wanted me to do well. And it was amazing feeling. And so many people after were like, oh my God, like your stand-up's so good. And, and like, I really enjoyed it. It really made me smile because I don't like, my jokes aren't edgy. They're not crude, which is another element. I don't offend anyone. It's just really silly jokes in, in a storytelling way. Yeah. 
and it just feels so good, you know. People are like, oh, it really made me laugh, and it's quite hard to replace that. When yeah, think- for sure. And and so let's just quickly um, rewind just a tiny bit to when you're going through the training through ultra, yes. like after. You've already talked about like that. You're they're really focusing on the techniques, your like, the delivery, the mechanics of how you're doing it, and then I guess at the same time in your personal time, you're just doing the writing of what you might come up with, right? Yeah. But then to, and then it's and it's, so, so you literally after eight weeks of this, you're already going to perform. Is that right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> eight weeks, but it's a bit different to the boxing because you only have one session a week. Yeah. And in the session, everyone goes. So, so the first three weeks, you don't, you're not really telling your jokes. And then the last five, you want to have some jokes, you want to have your set and you want to test jokes. But, you, but you're only going to test it for a few minutes, right? And then the rest of it, you're just kind of learning from others around you. Yeah. This is the thing. So you would only get to practice your, your five, 10 minute set once. So actually I only did, my, I reckon I did my set three times in front of any audience before I was stood in front of 400 people at the backyard <laughs> oh, and wow. looking back I'm like wow like I must I don't even know to be honest how I did that um and the training was the training was amazing but because there was a few people and had to get through everyone you know again the dropout the dropout rate for comedy I think was bigger than the boxing I can imagine that's what I said like it's one of the scariest yeah. things I can imagine doing it's um it's not <laughs> it's not for me but uh that's cool and then you already got and then you already got the bug straight away after that how quickly after that first show did you then think oh i'm gonna go and do another one well this actually so that's why it's quite funny i did that and in my head i was like challenge complete same for sure yeah yeah i was like that's done and i didn't pick up a mic until the end of last year 2021 so i went i went three years two and a half three years without doing any comedy and what in lockdown, I had loads of jokes. So I started writing new stuff and I had all of these notes on my phone. And uh, I'm very fortunate where I live. There's a few a few people, um, comedians and actors and things like that. And one of the comedians, I probably shouldn't mention who it was, but um, I got invited to one of his shows and I started going to his his shows. And again, massive comedian, you know, like in the, in the UK, in the US, he's got Netflix specials. Wow. He would do, he'd do three shows a week in a tiny comedy club. And I couldn't, aside from all the other work he did, it, it was actually so inspiring that he worked so hard. And when I watched it and I was seeing people, I was like, oh my God, I'd love to just get on that stage and do it again. And I did actually perform on the stage where I was going to watch him, which was quite cool. Um, so I just got the bug then. And then after I did one show, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep doing it. And so like, I, obviously it's a hobby. Um... But do you have any like goals with it? Because like r- regardless of what you do, I think mm-hmm. I think it's most people I know, there's probably a few outliers um, that normally when they start up a process of some kind or some kind of new journey, there is a goal and it does help to have milestones of like, yeah. hey, like in, in this instance, it would be like, hey, I want to perform at a certain club or I want to I want to open for somebody one day or I want to yeah. like, like what's the, do you, do you, even though it's a hobby, do you have, things like that in place uh, or is it a bit different uh yeah i'd be interested to know kind there, of there is, what your take is on is that actually, yeah there's there's two things and i only thought about it this week i was thinking the same without a goal you kind of but then it's 
it's slightly different. I, I consider the comedy like playing football, right? So yeah. when someone plays five a side, you don't necessarily go, hey, do you want to play in the Champions League when you're 35? For sure, however, yeah. However, there is, there's two things I want to do. The first is I need to do the blackout again. And I told my girlfriend mm. this, and she was like, "What? Like, what do you mean?" I'm like, "If I don't, if I never complete that, I'll be furious." So, so I'm going to do that again. Um, I don't know when. I need to. I need to properly prepare, but I will do that. And the other thing I wanted to do um, was actually headline the show. So the show, the first show I did when I made my return, they were really nice. They they let me they let me do some some minutes. I'd love to do a headline slot at, at that show that that put me on. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've got yeah. that on my radar. That will take a bit of time to get there. Um, but aside from that, not really. And my job and career is is a bit taxing, and comedy is very very time consuming. Like, yeah, I mean the app, the, all the rehearsals, the the writing, and everything that goes in with it. It must be yeah. uh, and the shows, right? Yeah. You know, how do you allocate work. the time in the right way? Like, how do you get yourself in the right mindset to write? Like, do you have to do anything that I, is very specific to like get you prepped for this? Like, I'll give you a different. Like, yeah. I'm trying to always learn German, and honestly, like okay. I go through, yeah. I go through, but that's just because I, I live in Switzerland. I'm been here a while. Yeah. I should really uh, be a lot more. I should speak a lot better German than I do, but. um I do find it hard to just structure my mind to like get super motivated for it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think it's because partly because of the, I don't know, I just haven't really mentally got the outcomes position right in my mind. But anyway, regardless, like I need to almost get prepped to do the German, <laughs> if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So like do my lessons and do my, um, just do my extra like homework and all the rest of it. But how do you get prepped to write? Because like, like are you like most people? I think, yeah. for, especially for writing w- with comedy, like I think a lot of people, like the the majority, are actually the most creative. I guess in the evenings um, or later in the afternoons yeah. is like a common. I don't know. Like some data suggests that's true. Yeah. Maybe not for everybody, but like how? When are you looking at certain times? Are you looking at like do you just need to be a certain mindset? Like how do you do it? Yeah. How do you get in in the right uh, form of mind to just get writing yeah. and get rehearsing? There's there's a pretty simple question or answer to the question. Sorry, um, I don't set specific times, and whenever it comes to me, I just go. It's normally at night. Normally, when I'm in bed, I'll be sat there. I'm trying yeah. to sleep. It's hitting a certain time, and I'm like, oh my god, my brain is racing. Like that would be really funny. Or just write that down, and 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 put notes. I get whenever I'm bored, I come up with the best stuff. If I'm on train journeys, if I'm on a plane, if I'm swimming all the time, jokes come to me. And um, the simple answer is I don't block it out because if I did, I would come up with nothing. And there's mm. a really good um, article I was reading the other day about how creativity is dipping in the world because we're never bored anymore. You know, we have social media and we have TV and Netflix and FIFA, et cetera, et cetera most of the greatest things that were ever created or or creativity have come from when people are bored. So I kind of have to bore myself a bit, not normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then things come. And and what I do is I'll just write down the idea. I, I get so much inspiration from people I meet. I'll give you an example. I, I did this joke for the first time last week and, and people seem to enjoy it. But I was on the train back from Edinburgh uh, a few weeks ago and I heard an American lady and and I'll tell you the joke, but basically the joke goes, uh, I was in Scotland with my American friends and um, 
turn, things turn nasty in the restaurant when he asked a big burly Scotsman for a quickie. It turns out he was trying to pronounce quiche. <laughs> so we now we now call him Mars Bar because he once got battered in Scotland. It's a pretty awful <laughs> joke. But it went down really well. Oh my gosh. And, and yeah. I got that because this, this old American lady was ordering a quickie on the train. Like, oh, and then, and, then, and then that's it. That's just the trick. And I was point. like, okay, yeah. how do I write that? You, you have to flip the way it's done. Yeah. And, that's an awful joke. I hope people listening are laughing at that, please. I hope so. That. The challenge is like <laughs> you are much more likely to uh most people listening will be listening alone, which would also <laughs> be less likely to laugh because you do yes. need you do need people Social to laugh, compliance. right? Yeah, yeah. Social yeah. compliance is the biggest thing in comedy. Yeah. Like the biggest thing is is crazy. Um and because also when you practice, because if you just practice in front of your girlfriend, that would be a bit of a challenge because surely uh the delivery wouldn't be in the same way. So do you have to practice in front of friends? Like at least a couple? No, I, I, I only practice on my own. Wow. And I've stopped testing jokes on friends and family and not in a horrible way. Bar my sister, they all say everything's funny. The yeah, you're not getting the right, you're not getting the right yeah. feedback and stuff. Yeah. And they know your personality. So they know like that's funny yeah. because of like, maybe there's some extra background story or whatever else that goes on with that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, the only way you know if a joke is funny is you perform it. You have no, there is nothing you can do. Wow! You can't. You, if you if I ask twenty of my mates, nothing. And and the scariest thing and the most challenging thing about comedy is when you do new material. Sometimes I write a joke and I'm like, that bangs. That's going to be incredible. People are going to be roaring with laughter. I deliver it. Nothing. And there's other times I've written a joke where I'm like, I know the crowd will like it. I'm I'm not that big a fan. It might go one way, and it absolutely takes the roof off. Like it's ridiculous uh, wow and, that's and, that's really cool that's really cool especially yeah. like the um because more often than not in most walks of life you depending on what you're working on you generally kind of know whether something is looking good or not like yeah. whether it's in a in a workplace that you're working on whether it's something as simple as a presentation or um yeah. or you just know the dynamic of like hey i'm creating this new website or something you know how it's coming on but with this it's like all or nothing like no. you have no idea you kind of think well i think it's gonna be great and actually yeah just the um the feedback like that is it's it's, it's, it's going instant and and second to that actually even if something's bombed um yeah. would you still test it on a different crowd because sometimes it might just depend on like the Maybe someone like before you also is like, it's a difficult crowd yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you may be in a certain area. I don't know what's going on, but like after mm -hmm. that, you, you surely have to test it a few times before you can yeah. remove it. Right. So that again, that's, that's a key, key part to it. And it kind of ties into the consistency. You you have to tell a joke three times to have a good steer. Like one thing I hate in comedy and sorry to any comedians listening, we love excuses. Like if a if you have a bad set, we, we say the microphone wasn't working, the lights were too bright, it was a terrible crowd. Oh, we're in this location. It happens a lot. We're very, very bad at owning poor performance. You you have to test a lot. You have to test a lot. And, and we do have jokes that I call bankers where you know you're going to get laughs. I've had maybe two shows where one of my jokes didn't land and i was like that's so weird because i'm used to it doing it but then yeah. other parts people were laughing loads and so i flipped that into a punchline and then that didn't work so it's, it's purely trial and error one thing i'd say from comedy which i didn't get from the boxing so 
if if you can't take feedback in in your career in life whatever it might be you're going to struggle the number one thing that makes people successful aside from talent and hard work is taking feedback and yeah. giving giving feedback's really hard if you're a manager it's a hard skill to own there is a real skill to it you should get trained on it taking constructive there's a difference between constructive feedback and straight up criticism my sister abusing me for losing (laughs) isn't particularly constructive my friend josh the boxer gave me really good advice like he was telling me stuff so you need to be able to take it and change it and i was so fortunate when i was younger i worked for a great company um i joined as one of the first employees so the the two founders were, were excellent with me they gave me external training with a guy called gordon and I'd remember so much of his stuff he taught me. And at 22, he was like, you need to ask for feedback from your, you know, your, your, um, not peers actually above all the time. After every meeting, what could I do better? What could I do mm. better? And I remember I reported into the board in, in one of my companies and I'd, I'd speak to, to my boss after and I'd be like, what, what would you recommend I do there? And the amount of advice I got has been useful, you know, has been amazing now what i would say about comedy is the feedback is too harsh and it's too <laughs> it's too sudden you don't get any subtlety yeah like, you know you get a joke and people go oh like, it's, also, it's, also, it's also a yes and no right it's kind of like it's yeah. it's either worked yeah. or it hasn't yeah no but your point around feedback is, is is obviously a really important one um the how people can deliver and receive feedback is uh is arguably more important than ever especially now that we are doing a lot of our stuff online and we're not able yeah. to take not able to take the right cues anymore and we're yeah we're um and everything is just a little bit more nuanced in terms of yeah just the way that we're working it's uh it's tough um to really one, do this in the right in, in the most impactful way one thing um and my old ceo from that first company ed told me i remember he took me for lunch in one of my first weeks he was like if you're going to be successful and you're going to be good at anything particularly in business you're always going to be in a new job and I was like that's a weird thing to say now in my career I've worked for nine years I've had 12 jobs not at 12 different companies yeah I'd say I've had these promotions like throughout throughout my career if you didn't take the feedback and you weren't comfortable with being uncomfortable which is a really cheesy phrase but but you understand what I mean you, it's hard to progress and you need to have that element of going, okay, this is a new job. This is a new role. That's what I'm going to do. And I always keep thinking back to to what Ed said about that. Like if you're going to be successful, you're always going to find yourself in a new role. And that ties into the whole imposter syndrome. And there's a whole yeah. two hours you could talk about that. Um, but I did find that that really interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, reinventing yourself and um, and also just, yeah, I think the note around, it, it, it should almost be an evolution rather than new, I would say, in terms yeah. of like yeah. the, you you constantly want to evolve yourself as well as those around you and um, mm-hmm. and, and, and find new, but, but the challenge and also just the, be, yeah, as you said, being, like learning how to, like be uncomfortable is so important. And I think you can get that from some of these external experiences, as you said, like the boxing or like the comedy. And I think that if, if people can try and just take on a few new things once in a while, that isn't uncomfortable randomly, yeah. like six months ago, I tried to start knitting 
you know. Uh, <laughs> Knitting? That, yeah, wow. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm still terrible. Can't get a scarf done. But um, um, how's your cross stitch? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, I watch a lot. Of, I did watch a lot of YouTube videos, but um, uh, yeah. it's but it's like it's no matter what, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I think it's just cool to and important to start things that are that are new. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so that might actually bring me around to my final question, um, which is, uh, something I ask most people that come on here and it, it's more around kind of, and you might, I think you've already answered it many times over, to be honest, but, uh, you might have something more nuanced this time around, um, kind of based on the journey that you've been through and kind of, um, different adventure, adventures you've taken on and the different things that you've tried, what would be like the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody if they were to, think about starting something new or changing something up in their life or just, um, yeah. What, what would be that one piece of advice that you would, you would give? Do you know, um, that's a good question. I think, I think for me, it would be say yes to more things, which sounds a bit unusual. And what I mean by that, I don't want to sit here and go, Hey, go and sign up to comedy tomorrow. Like that's, <laughs> I know everyone wouldn't want to do that as, as good as it would be for people's confidence or go yeah. and do a boxing match, you know, but just say yes to like one more thing or two more things and see what happens because all the good things that have happened to me in my life, most of them have come through meeting people where I, I was like, oh, I could stay home, but I'll just go out. I'll just go say hi to that person or I'll, I'll swing by next door and, and see, see my next door neighbor and then I meet someone. If you say yes to more things, and I don't mean everything, you need to have the right balance between not burning out, but yeah. just once or twice more. Do you know what? I'm just going to try that thing. I'll go play tennis. I don't normally play tennis. And you might meet someone there. Um, that might, that would be my main advice. Yeah, no, great advice. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Hey, well, Will, that was amazing. Thanks so much for uh, for chatting and catching up. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll let you know if I'm kicking around in London yes. anytime <laughs> in the next uh, in the next few months or next year. I'm not sure when I'm going to be back, but um, yeah, I'll definitely I'll drop you a note. You a deal. If you do a Muay Thai flight, uh, fight, sorry, I'll fly out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be waiting a long time, mate. A long time. But um, <laughs> all right, well, we'll cut there. Thanks very much, and I will speak to you later. All right, speak to you soon. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. Beyond the Adventure is available on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit beyondtheadventure.com for all the relevant links. If you get a moment, please share with your friends and family. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to come onto the podcast, please reach out to me either by email on gareth at beyondtheadventure.com through the website of beyondtheadventure.com or reach out via my personal social media. My handles across Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn are all garethbrownuk. Thanks again everyone and bye for now.